Pollock trying to steer around. Picked off center. They score! Feather back over to Manny. Splits the defense. His shot. He scores! Back in his own end there was Shillington. Hard collision. BL centering feed. They score! This is Cuda Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Here are your hosts, Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein. Hello and welcome to another edition of Cuda Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, the American Hockey League affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Nick Nolenberger here alongside marketing manager Joey Goldstein. It's been a a bit of uh, been a hot minute since we last recorded. Yeah, we're Just, I guess we're in season two. Yeah, we are season, season two, two of Cuda Confidential, <laughs> episode one. Episode one, season two, once you hit July 1st, it's a new season. Pretty much. In terms of what they consider for kind of like the fiscal year. We were just talking about well, it. Well, it's the fiscal year and, and the hockey and year, the really. Hockey year. Free agency starts on July 1. That's for kind of when everybody turns the new leaf. That's when those UFAs and RFAs officially become free agents, and they're not a part of the organizations they were with the year before. So it, really July 1 is that, that turn. So you kind of had that. And then you went parading around Europe for a little bit. We'll make sure we talk about that. You can – share some of your, some your stories, some of your favorite sites and things like that. But, yeah, we're full steam ahead here for the 1920 season, which is wild. It is wild. So this will be year number four for me. It'll be year number five here for you in San Jose. Yeah. It's a big year for us in terms of five because it's an anniversary year. I mean, it's flown. Yeah. I'm sure it seems like a blink of the eye when you first, mm-hmm. you know, packed your stuff and came across the country to I San remember Jose. The, yeah, I, I, mean, I remember <laughs> the day like it was yesterday, packing up my car and sobbing like a – an uncontrollable child when I left my house and it was just uh yeah it was it was a whirlwind but it's it's crazy to think how far the team and the organization has come and all the things we've accomplished since being here and and the the direction that we're trending and the the way we're trying to move forward it's all uh everything's really coming together and it's there's a lot to look back on and and be happy about so I mean we can definitely you know as we talk a little bit about the fifth anniversary and some of our plans we can reminisce on some of the uh some of the better memories that we've got as we've gone through the years, but uh, we had some other stuff to talk about before we hit that. I like the honesty, though. You admitted that you were sobbing. Like, oh, it, it was, <laughs> Nick, I, I could not, like, I drove across, so I drove across country um, when I moved out here. Um, it was literally from the time I accepted the job to the time I moved. It was about three weeks, and uh, I took a, a week-long trip to come out. I made some stops on the way out, but that first day, uh, I, I drove part of the way with a friend from home, and I had to go pick him up after I left my house. And uh, I was like a half hour late because I had to like compose myself before getting to his place. So um, it was all good, though. Fun trip. I, I had a good time, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy to be here. There's no place I really would rather be right now. So uh, yeah, all good. It's one thing to move away from home; it's another to to leave the time zone by three hours. I did the same thing going the other way, living in the East Coast. So that's a transition. Yeah. I adjusted to that pretty well, yeah. though, because as I made, I mean, I made stops in each time zone. So, like, I went from, you know, Massachusetts into Philly and then into Chicago, which is a different time zone, and then into, uh, you know, Omaha, Nebraska. So that's kind of all in the middle. And then I spent the night in Denver and in Utah. So that's its own time zone. And then I was on the West Coast. So I kind of eased into it, which made it really, really easy. So um, it would have been a lot worse if I had just shocked the system. And did it all at once. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. I, did, I just mean in terms of the your parents are three hours, uh, you know, in your case, three hours ahead. It's so It's got its pros and cons. Yeah. Uh, when I wake up to, like, tons of messages yeah. from everybody back home because it's they don't realize that it's, like, five in the morning my time. But 
then it, you know, I, I get out of work and things like that. And sometimes if I don't call them right away, then usually they're, they're asleep. So you got to find that happy medium and you make it work, but it, it's got its pros and cons. We talk about the offseason being kind of quiet, but you get to around July 1st and it starts to kick up and boil up pretty quickly. We saw it with the NHL draft, of course, and then that's followed up at development camp. That's followed up by July 1st. Obviously, the big news for the Sharks organization is the re-signing of Eric Carlson and the departure of Joe Pavelski. Now, that, of course, is going to have a ripple-down effect on you know who's on the Barracuda roster. I think we anticipated there being a pretty good competitive battle for that sixth and seventh D-man spot, but now mm -hmm. maybe a forward position opens up. So is that going to be a Dylan Gambrell? Is that going to be an Antti Suomela? We'll have to wait and see. Um, there's two goaltenders right now up top in Aaron Dell and, of course, Martin Jones. So at this point, we're going to have the two we had last year, but, of course, things can change in a hurry. But... Um, we saw qualifying offers. We saw some signings. The qualifying offers turning out to be legit offers, too, with these guys all staying who were qualified. Um, so lots to talk about in terms of who is now under contract and who we see, you know, being in the fold next year, predominantly because this is an AHL podcast, predominantly with the Barracuda. Sure. I mean, it, obviously, it all starts at the top, right? So Carlson comes in. Pavelski is out. Uh, Meyer comes back. LeBanc comes back. Braun leaves. So there's a lot of, um, there's definitely the, the battles when the season ended that we thought we might see in training camp may have changed a little bit, uh, where we thought there might be a sixth, seventh defenseman battle. May not be the case anymore now that the Sharks have brought in Dalton Prout on a one-way contract and brought back Tim Heed. That kind of locks in your top seven, and then you're looking at somebody like Jake Middleton, Nick DeSimone, who are, or even Mario Ferraro, who are right there competing for that eight spot you know, obviously if they have a good camp they can they can jump up and things like that so that battle where it might have been a, a marquee thing for training camp maybe not so much anymore but then you look to the offensive side and you've got that fourth line center you've got winger positions that are open and that's where guys like Suomela, Gambrell, Radil, True, Chekovic, Shemilevsky these are all guys who are expected to come in and hopefully have an impact right away uh, and, and play some big valuable minutes for the Sharks so then you look to the Barracuda side, and obviously we've had some departures. We've had some guys come in. Um, so we, we won't know our roster until Sharks training camp's over, really. But there's a, we, I think we get a general idea of what our core is going to look like. And um, the, the goaltending situation is, I mean, it's a good problem to have. It's a bit of a logjam. You've got Jones and Dell. And then on our side of things, you've got Bebo and Coronash are both coming back. But we've also got Andrew Shortridge in the mix. There's five goalies there, and there's got to be space for all of them, and I don't know if the ECHL is even an option for someone like Shortridge. Um, I would expect that it's not. So I don't know how it's all going to shake out, and maybe the Cuda just carry three goalies and just do it that way. That's certainly a possibility. Yeah, it certainly is something we haven't necessarily seen over the first you know, four years here in San Jose is having consistently three goalies on the roster just because you want these guys to play. That's the, you know, kind of the point of it. But, yeah, there's going to be some competitive battles. We saw it just last year. Just because a guy wins a job out of camp doesn't guarantee he's going to be up with a big club throughout the year. And there's constant movement, uh, especially at the start of the year. We see a lot of guys go up and down. And Sue Mello was a perfect example. Had a real nice start. Mm -hmm. Had a great camp. Earned a job. Played, I think, in 23 games. Yeah, and I think and Doug, Dougie Jr. said it in a – it was an interview maybe during dev camp where he had mentioned uh, or maybe it was an article, the article that Kevin Kurz wrote. Basically, it's talk, talking about Suomela. In a perfect world, he would have spent the whole year in the AHL last year with a couple call-ups here and there. But he was so good out of camp that you couldn't, you just can't ignore that kind of a situation, right? So uh, 
to, to split time between the NHL and the AHL was great for his development regardless. So uh, that certainly could be the case this year, and I would expect with the amount of youth that they're kind of in those bottom six roles, there's going to be a lot of movement all throughout the year as there have been in years past. Yeah, and you mentioned Suomela, a guy they re-signed, the Sharks did. He was highly touted, had a lot of NHL teams looking at him a year ago, and that's, you know, they got their sample size with the one-year deal. They wanted to see if, uh, you know, he can make another step in his career and really compete for a full-time NHL job. Dylan Gambrell also re-signed. Nick Simone brought back. Maxime Latunov, Kyle Wood, all those guys were guys who were given qualifying offers and then signed officially on the dotted line um, following July 1st. So a lot of movement. We saw also, as you mentioned, proud and interesting in addition. I think everybody <laughs> kind of looked at that as – are they just trying to add maybe a veteran presence, a toughness element? That's what I think. I think it's certainly a veteran presence and a guy who's established an NHL career. But it, I also think to some degree it's a, adding a little bit of bite and a little bit of an edge. So, which with obviously Michael Haley leaves, you don't really have that up front. But Proud is a tough customer. He's not an easy guy to play against. We've seen him. He's been here playing with Stockton. He's played NHL games against the Sharks. So it's he's a guy who certainly, you know, if you look at a team like Vegas with Ryan Reeves out there, it's you're not going to have somebody just running around unaccounted for now. So it'll be nice. Yeah, at the AHL level, I mean, we see Stockton 12 times a year. So the rivalry is probably about as heated as They run in Alex Gallant. Yeah, and they just got Alex Gallant, who we're very familiar with, as, you know, one of the toughest pound-for-pound players probably in the entire American Hockey yeah. League. So that's a guy that, uh, you know, is going to be on the other side of the line, which is uh, – I think Veeler's uh, taking boxing lessons this summer. I don't know. Veeler's a tough customer himself. That'll be an interesting – I think Veeler's got at least a little bit of a size advantage in terms of weight. But Gallant, it doesn't really matter. No, he'll he doesn't he'll, care. He'll, he'll go toe-to-toe with anybody. Care. But um, interesting with the proud signing just for the fact that – I think everybody in the hockey world saw last year with that rivalry with the Sharks and the Flames getting very tested and physical. Of course, Redeem Shimmick took that big mm-hmm. hit from Sam Bennett, and that sparked just a lot of you know hatred between the two clubs that had already started a little bit before that. But interesting, you go and get a guy in Proud who spent all of last year within the Calgary Flames organization to add the toughness, maybe add that to your lineup you take him away from Calgary. So it's just kind of an interesting dynamic. It's like the, the game within the game yeah, almost, right? almost, right? So um, that'll be interesting um, on, on what role Prout ends up taking. In the other thing I think has been interesting, too, with, with you talked about the qualifying offers and the guys we brought back. Nick Simone was one of the guys who was brought back, and Gambrell, too. But he was one of the guys who was on a two-year deal. And I wonder if that has something to do with the you know looming expansion draft and He's a guy who would not have to be protected because of his games played and in the um, in the NHL, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so I wonder if that is something that kind of plays into it, where they can lock somebody in for the next couple of years that they think could, by the time of this expansion draft, whenever it is, is ready to make that jump. That maybe if they're they can not protect certain people because of that. So yeah, I wonder if that plays a part in it. It is. I mean, we had the expansion draft situation a couple of years with Vegas, so I think it gives all the teams in the NHL a little better of an idea how mm-hmm. it works. Maybe not going to get sleep like Vegas did to the entire sure. NHL. You know, when they first came into the league, I think everybody's got a better idea how it works. But certainly these teams are also foreshadowing a couple of years down the road, yeah. and they are preparing. Yeah, just to. like they did with the Vegas situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what you have to do to, to protect certain players and just kind of prepare for that with the addition of a 32nd team in Seattle coming in, into the league in a couple of years. So a lot of, you know, a lot of news, a lot of notes coming off July 1st. We mentioned those guys coming back that we're familiar with. Some other guys signed out of uh, development camp that, uh, you know, we'll see if we see them next year or in the next coming years. Um, so 
you know, from a player transactional standpoint, a lot to a lot to chat about, uh, and we haven't had a chance to do so because we've been, uh, you know, yeah. I've been out of the office. Kudos. I mean, it's it's been busy as it relates to the Barracuda. We talked about those guys who are coming back uh, on their qualifying offers for their NHL deals, but there's some uh, we've had some departures officially now, I guess, that they've signed elsewhere, and we've got a couple other couple names coming in who could have an impact on us so uh, where do you want to start yeah we can go with the departures just today there was a couple of signings that you can uh, kind of touch on former Barracuda sure. players who um, we assumed weren't going to be coming back just because you know at this point they probably would have been signed already um, but a couple guys who, who wore teal last year at the AHL level have new homes yeah I mean the, the obvious one is Francis Perron uh, he's the first one heading out to Utica and that draft day trade uh, to help the Sharks move move around the uh, the draft board a little bit. So uh, he also recently signed a one-year, two-way contract in Vancouver. So uh, obviously happy for, for Francis, and we wish him and all these other guys, you know, continued success, and we hope they continue to build. Uh, but also in Utica, Zach Fry signed today, uh, an AHL deal. Um, so uh, I, I tweeted a joke out to my cousin that was broadcasting in Utica and just kind of said uh, – Utica's turning into San Jose East almost because they've got those two guys. Vinny Arsenault is a guy who was with us year one who's also over there. So uh, I said that. He asked me to check in again in the winter and see if I still feel that way. So um, I'm sure I will. He may not. Uh, and then fan favorite, uh, Kevin Fitzgerald, also signed in Charlotte with the uh, reigning Calder Cup champions. So uh, I think his was an AHL deal as well, just one year. But he's a guy who kind of he produced on the back end for us last year quite a bit. So uh, he was a guy I know we talked about who was maybe somebody who could be back in the fold, but you know ultimately, uh, you know those opportunities presented themselves elsewhere, and, and we wish all three of those guys the best of luck. Yeah, absolutely, and um, good to see those guys sign. I mean, having new homes, and sure. you know most likely we won't see them next year just the fact that they play in the Eastern yep. Conference. But uh, to be determined, of course, we'd like to see them. That means we made it out of the Big Calder Cup final. Yep. So, um, congrats to those guys, um, like Joey. Joey mentioned, continue that thought, uh, just, you know, best of luck. These guys are great, great guys. We spend a lot of time with them, get a chance to kind of know them off the ice, what type of human beings they are, and they're all good dudes. And, you know, we wish them nothing but the best, that's for sure. Um, let's switch gears slightly, I think. Um, some big news, obviously, right after July 1st was the AHL schedule release. Um, outside of the Pacific Division, the Barracuda will play just one team, and that's Iowa. Um, so they'll go back to Iowa to play the Wild for a couple games. Minnesota's affiliate will come out here to San Jose. So not as maybe as diverse of a schedule as we've seen over the last few years, but just kind of the way the cookie crumbles yeah. and the way things kind of shaken out this offseason. But still going to be a lot of fun. You, you've got Colorado we got familiar with last year. Of course, those trips to Tucson are pretty fun. San Diego always competitive. Same kind of mix. So you just play a couple teams a couple more times. Yeah, it's got a, the schedule's got its pros and cons, I think. Obviously, it's less than ideal not being able to play teams outside of division as often as we have in years past. Um, I know the North Division is playing the Central Division this year, so you're seeing cross-conference, for which is kind of unusual, uh, but I guess they're close enough in proximity. It makes sense. Uh, the, the biggest problem, and I know fans want to see us playing teams on the East Coast, things like that. It's just and as much as we would love to do that, you have to remember that like this is – development most of the time this is a busing league and it's we're really on an island from where the rest of the league is at so it's, it's a lot more expensive to travel with 50 plus pieces of equipment and then players on top of that and then you have hotel nights and you have more busing and meals it, it can add up pretty quick and not a lot of teams have that kind of budget to to accommodate that uh, 
But what is nice about it is we're going to see these specific teams a lot. We're going to see all of them, with the exception of Tucson and Colorado, 12 times. Um, we're going to see six times at home, six times on the road. There's going to be a lot of bad blood created between these teams because there's going to be so much familiarity, and they're going to get sick of each other. We see, we see it with Stockton all the time, and we slowly started to see it with some other teams. But we're going to see it now probably more than ever. So there's going to, there's going to be lots of intensity, lots of physicality. The, there's going to be bad blood, which sets up well for the playoffs because you got to play out, kind of out of your division to get to you know the conference finals. So that bad blood will carry over, and it's going to be competitive as the division was this past year. I think that's a great point, though, that you mentioned is – you know, I think fans are getting a little frustrated in terms of, you know, they want to see different teams mm-hmm. come. You know, I don't blame them at all. But I think you kind of got to look at it almost like with the San Jose Giants. And I worked in minor league baseball, and, and it was in the South Atlantic League. So, essentially, you you split major league baseball down the middle, and there's several different levels. You know, they've got low A, mm-hmm. you know, high A, double A, triple A. And they play just within, essentially, their division. That's, yep. you know, and they consider that a league. The South Atlantic League was essentially the size of a division, basically. Yep. So you play the same teams, you're busting to different cities. So although you want to see other teams, we're essentially on an island in our own division, in our own league. You know, we're all under the American League umbrella, but it's just logistically, as you mentioned, how it works. These teams back east, it's not as big of a deal for them to, you know, make a trip. Some of these are busing cities. And let's not also this forget, is, too, we're playing less games. They're, the teams on the on the east are playing more games, so it's it's – even tougher for them to find time to, to make their way out here. Um, the hope is that obviously at some point the entire league comes to an agreement and everybody plays the same number of games. Uh, but until that happens, it's just kind of the way it is. You know, we'll, so we'll see, you know, eventually when Seattle comes in, it sounds like Palm Springs is getting a team. So uh, they'd likely join our division here in the Pacific and round it out and give us eight teams because I think we're the only division in the AHL who has seven right now, uh, similar to the NHL. So... Um, that's exciting at least. That's a, that'll be new blood to, to see, which means we'll kind of spread out the schedule even more. But um, it is, you know, it, it is what it is. It's a, it's a casualty of, of the way the league is, but it's also a fantastic product. So even though you're seeing the t- same teams over and over again, you're seeing really good talent. So who cares? Yeah, and what's fun too is, I mean, you're seeing these teams so much, and with the Sharks, you're going to see these young players go up and play for these NHL clubs. And the Sharks are going to play them a handful of times within mm. Division Two, so it all kind of Lots makes of a familiarity. connection. You see it exactly. I mean, you see it right now in big league baseball. If you don't follow Triple A, I mean, the Giants are on a roll right now. There's guys that are contributing that were, you know, down in Triple A before, and you would maybe focus on what's going on in Sacramento. But here in San Jose, we have the privilege of being in the same building. Mm-hmm. You can start focusing on these young players before they make that leap. Quickly to kind of break down the schedule from just, you know, a. a X's and O's, I guess, for lack of a better term. Just one Monday game this year, one Tuesday game. We've got 11 Wednesday games. Wednesday games tend to be pretty solid for weekday games. No Thursday games this year. That tends to be an NHL night. Seven Friday games, eight Saturday games, and six Sunday games. So more Friday games than we had a year ago, which I think is Compared to what we had last year, this is night and day. Last year was almost an even split between Friday, Saturday, Sundays, and then Mondays through Thursdays. What's great this year is, yes, we've got a Tuesday. Yes, we've got a Monday. That Monday's a holiday, and we're playing after the Sharks. Um, so that's historically been a great game for us, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, that Tuesday is going to be one of those 11 a.m. CUDA classroom days, which, again, 
as opposed to a seven o'clock on a Tuesday night doing it at 11 and having all the school kids come in. That's a great day for us. One of those Wednesdays is going to be another CUDA classroom day. And so then it really leaves you with a small handful of weekday games where it, it might be a little bit more lackluster than you'd expect. But having the, the weekends, is it makes things a lot easier from our end for planning and what, what our expectations are, but certainly makes things easier for the fans as well. Yeah, I know from my standpoint, you get to like a Monday and a Tuesday and it's a little hard to maybe make it to the arena or what have you, make it to the ballpark, whatever it is, because you're kind of working through the early stage of the week. You get to Wednesday, it's like, mm-hmm. hey, we get past Wednesday, and all yeah. of a sudden it's Thursday and Friday. Oh, yeah. So the Wednesdays aren't as bad, I think, as you know, you know, as we see on a on a Monday or a Tuesday. But just two two of those games, and as you mentioned, it's a holiday on that Monday. Um, we also have eleven uh, doubleheader games. So if you're a fan of the doubleheader games, um, you like going to both. You know. We did this a couple years ago where we shrunk the time in between the games so there's not as much of a a period in between. You don't have to go and leave for a couple hours. I mean, it really – the turnover is pretty quick. So, you know, they clean the building the best they can, and they bring people right back in. So um, the doubleheaders are a lot of fun. We've seen some good attendance on those games over the last Mm -hmm. couple years, especially shrinking that time period in between. So 11 of those this year is always kind of fun, and two of those will be – Sharks starting first, having the early game. Three? Three of them. Okay. So Black Friday is one of those days. Uh, President's Day in February is one of those days. So we'll, where we will follow and play at 6 o'clock. And then on March 7th, the Sharks play at 4. Scheduled start time for the Barracuda is 8 o'clock. Uh, so that's going to be a – you're not going to have the as much time of a turnaround as you would on Black Friday or President's Day. But the turnaround is – certainly short enough where there's enough time to prepare everything, but also plenty of time where you could potentially keep fans in this kind of vicinity. And hopefully if there are, I think they're playing, the Sharks playing Ottawa that night. If they have 15, 16,000 people in the building, hopefully you can get a very large trunk of people to stick around and stay for that game. If, if uh, you know, we're able to plan things the way we want to do things. Yeah, absolutely. The Sharks schedule, Barracuda schedule, they're both out. And if you go to sgbarracuda.com, you can actually print out, a mashed up schedule yeah. essentially where you have both the Sharks and the Barracuda schedule on one sheet of paper, which is great. Very helpful. You know, yeah, pretty Very cool. Helpful. Uh, uh, nice little addition. So uh, head over to sjbarracuda.com to print that out and uh, make sure you're all ready and ready to go. Just a, an update, if you go to the website as well, um, we've done this over the last couple of years, but our catch-up series where we're reaching out to players and they're talking about whether it's their off-season training or some fun stuff they're doing this summer, vacations, hitting the lake. A lot of these guys live near lakes, the ones at least that live up in you know Canada or mm-hmm. in the Minnesotas, what have you. Um, so a lot of them do a lot of lake time activities, so it's fun to see what these guys are doing away from the rink. You can go to sjbarracuda.com and check out the most recent edition of Cuda Catch-Up, which is Barracuda Ford Maxing. Latunov, who just signed a one-year extension. Latunov, a, a Russian-born player, but spending his offseason in Montreal. So a little bit of an interesting insight on Latunov um, and training training with some some relatively big names as well. So um, check that out. Go to sjbarracuda.com um, to check out the most recent coup to catch up. Yeah. I also, I mean, we talked a little bit about the, the losses we had this year, but there were two signings that the Sharks made. Uh, there are new faces to the organization, I guess, who could end up having impact on the Barracuda. One, uh, Zach Lant, who everybody saw at development camp. Uh, throughout the week, I thought he looked pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, he's a big-bodied kid. He was actually a third-round draft pick of the Red Wings a couple years back. Uh, played with um, Merkley in Peterborough. Uh, so he's, he's a, he's a bigger-bodied kid, and obviously he made quite an impression during the prospect scrimmage. He scored a goal. 
uh, early on. He scored a goal in the shootout. He had that fight as time expired. So certainly made a name for himself. And he's one of those guys that we talked about where there's always a couple or at least one after uh, development camp who come in and, and earn themselves a contract. He was one of those guys. And there was another uh, another one of the Russians, uh, Nikolai you're going to have to give me Kinesiov, his last name. I yes, believe. yes. Kinesiov. He's another guy who he's a big body puck moving defenseman who could come in and make an impact too. Uh, but the one name that caught my eye and probably most Barracuda fans is uh, Johnny Brodzinski, brother of former Barracuda defenseman Mike Brodzinski, who has played for the past couple of years in the Kings organization, dominant AHL player, all-star, puts up, scores a lot of goals, dishes out a lot of assists, uh, has had his, his fair share of time in the NHL as well. He's a guy who should compete for a Sharks job, uh, especially in that, in that scoring winger position, if not one of those fourth-line center spots. But if he's not up on the Sharks, he's going to be playing with the Barracuda. So that's a big piece for us to have too, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think L.A. certainly would have liked to keep him. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the way his career kind of ended down south was very injury-laden, mm-hmm. and that's the reason why he was made available. But he was a highlight-touted prospect for him. We remember him a couple years ago when he was, as you mentioned, dominant at the AHL level. I mean – Barracuda killed us yeah they had their hands full when he was on the ice so um I was you know happy to see that signing intriguing for sure um seeing Johnny Brodzinski and hopefully a healthy Johnny Brodzinski and most likely I would think they would I mean certainly they signed him in hopes that he could compete for an NHL Mm -hmm. job certainly has the ability I think to play at the NHL it's just a matter of uh you know whether he can stay healthy or not sure yeah so yeah certainly see the Brodzinski name and uh you know the older brother of the two uh Johnny there's so Brodzinski. many of them too. There's like there's another one who's still in call. There's another one who's at St. Cloud State, and then there's an even younger one somewhere as well. There, I mean, there's so many. Well, of I them. believe, if I could be mistaken, I believe was the player of the year in Minnesota was the youngest. I mean, he just got drafted. Hockey. He literally he got drafted. I I forget what round I was watching the draft, but I saw his name pop up, and I was like, he's got to be related. And I looked, and I mean, to have four. I mean, the Brodzinski family. So much credit to to have four kids. Who all play, you know, Division One program, and then all end up moving on to go potentially play in, in a professional setting. That's very impressive. Yeah, yeah. Um, Easton Brodzinski was the one that got drafted. Looking it up right, now. I believe it was Easton. Oh, or that's the no. one that's committed Easton, to St. Cloud. Easton's at St. Cloud now. Yeah. I think there's Bryce. Bryce. That's Bryce. it. There's he's yeah. the younger one. Yeah. Who probably also going to St. Cloud? Flyers draft pick. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, hockey family indeed. So hopefully Johnny can get healthy. We'll compete for a job. It's going to be, you know, there are some openings up top. So mm-hmm. um, it'll be interesting on how that stuff plays out. Um, we're roughly heading into August, you know, next week. So roughly about a little over a month ago, and then we're in full training camp mode. Guys are already, they're going to start arriving in late August, you know, early September to get ready for training camp. So, man, it is. It's a busy it's couple of weeks here because yeah. obviously you got the hockey ops side is Maybe now, obviously, aside from some free agency signings here and there, it's it may be a little bit low key. But on our side of things here in the office, and there's this is kind of where things start to pick up for us a bit. We're rolling through the promo schedule right now, and I can't I can't give away too much information. Um, but that's something we we look to release here in the next week or two, uh, if all if all goes well. We've we've got our specialty jersey dates identified, or at least our themes identified. We know what we want to do for giveaways, um, so we, we've got a lot of things. It's just kind of like a, it's a big puzzle, and you got to find out where the, the dates lie, and uh, if all works out well, we should have some kind of promotion on every single day. Uh, the orange jersey is coming back. 
Uh, so we'll wear that a couple times throughout the year. Uh, it'll look a little bit different than it has in years past too, which I kind of like. Uh, once we get those uh, in-house, we'll, we'll share those with everybody. But I think the, the big promotion this year is like we talked about is that fifth, fifth year anniversary. And uh, we've got some lots of things tied into that, but I think the, the epicenter of this fifth anniversary is we're going to have a fifth anniversary night where we'll have a you know, specialty fifth anniversary jersey and it'll likely be like our you know, Barracuda Blackout kind of night where jerseys will be black, we'll do some kind of giveaway and really want to fill this place up to just celebrate the, the past five years that have been Barracuda hockey. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, a lot on tap now. We're, we're starting to gear towards, you know, the, the new season. We mentioned all the different signings. We mentioned uh, on the horizon is the promo schedule. We'll probably come out with that either at the end of August, early September. Um, you Hope, know, hopefully, hopefully even earlier. earlier hopefully so even earlier. People a little bit of time to plan. But uh, it is uh, balls rolling on that, and things are starting to be set in stone. So, I think we're going. Uh, I think fans will be excited about what's to come and what uh, is on tap uh, throughout the the upcoming yeah. season. So, yeah. um, we're doing this on a biweekly thing. Before we wrap up, I mean, you went back home. We had Fourth of July, and and for the first time in the office. They closed the office. Well, it's because the first time they were able to. The past yeah. couple of years, development camp has always fallen yes. over that 4th of July week. So, um, yeah, they, they should just completely shut down the offices, which is always nice because then it's like a, a true vacation where you can get away and you're not, you know, you're not flooded with emails because some people were at the office and some aren't. Everybody was off. It was nice and quiet, relaxing, uh, and you didn't have to really worry about having to come back for dev camp or anything like that. So... Uh, it was nice. Yeah, I was I was back home in the in uh, in Massachusetts. Uh, it was hot, but uh, it was good. It's it's always just good to for me to go back home and and see everybody and catch up with everybody who you you haven't seen face to face in a year sometimes, if not more. So uh, I had a good time, but it's nothing compared to parading <laughs> around the streets of Europe. So let let's hear about the trip. Well, I so when I originally we were originally planning the trip. You mentioned no development camp. Normally, development camp kind of rolls past 4th of July. It ends up ending around the 7th. So I thought, well, we're going to have some signings. Let's try to make sure we don't leave too soon after July 1st. So um, I hit the road. I flew out, um, I believe, on the 6th. Um, so I didn't realize we are going to have the office closed. So, I mean, it was perfect planning. Yeah. yesterday was – two days ago was my first day back in the office How many, in the okay, month. Here's my question July. for you. How many emails – did you have sitting on your computer when you came back? At two weeks, I was unable to check my email. I had 276. Yeah, 276. Wow. But, I mean, it wasn't... 50 of those were probably from me. I, I, had, I had the response emails so people knew that, you know, I'm probably not going to be checking it. Right. Internet, obviously, is a little bit dicey, too. Um, you know, you have, to, you have to be on Wi-Fi to answer much. So... I, it was a blessing. Like, originally, <laughs> I think the first two days I was a little stressed on it. And then I'm like, well, well nothing's going to happen. Sure. We'll come back and it'll be fine. But um, I'd never been to Europe. Heck of a trip. Started. So, all right. So, yeah. so where'd you go? Where, like, where did we go? So, the whole trip got planned during the season. Um, I went with my mom and my twin brother. So, I didn't do any of the planning. My mom did pretty much all the planning. My brother did basically all the navigating. So I, I feel like, are you like throwing your mom out of the bus here? No, like, like where, like where did you guys go? Did where did you visit? They, so tell the people really, what they want to know. We got a really cheap flight into Barcelona, so we decided well, why don't we just stay there for a couple of days? It's like a two hundred fifty dollars flight into Barcelona. So Barcelona, Spain. We were there for like a day and a half. Amazing town. 
Um, obviously a big so soccer culture there, mm -hmm. but a cool town, really historic buildings. It's right on the water. Um, a place that I would like to go back again. So we spent like a day and a half there. Um, and then we worked our way over to Italy. We took a flight about an hour and 15 minutes over to Italy and a bus uh, about two and a half hours to what's called the Amalfi Coast, which is like a crazy coastline where everything's built up along these high mountains yeah. and views are incredible. And the, there's obviously Basically, when you see it's like when you see the pictures of certain places in Italy. Most of them are, are pictures of the Amalfi Coast. Yes, exactly. And the amount of like money in that area, just seeing the cars that people are driving and the boats that are sitting out. I mean, it's kind of the yachting. I would imagine the yachting capital of the world. It's where a lot of a lot of big, uh, big rich and powerful people go yes. to visit and spend some vacation time. Yes. So we were there for a couple of days. Amazing spot. I mean, we're averaging walking about ten miles a day, and where we were staying in Amalfi was like at the top of a mountain. So we're like chucking chugging up this mountain it was just like so we were burning off all the bread and everything we were eating and yeah. then we worked our way over to another island that i i'm blanking on it was about an hour away um so we flew into nepali which is in italy and then we went over to the amalfi coast but we took a this little island we stopped at for a day and then we went back to nepali and from nepali we worked our way up uh up italy and um, up to Rome. So Rome, obviously, as a sports fan, was a pretty cool place with mm -hmm. the Colosseum yep. being there. I kind of, you know, as we were talking about, it's kind of like almost the epicenter of sport, essentially. The, Crazy. Consider one of the first stadiums ever built. Um, so that was pretty cool. There's, you know, what a historic place. It's building after building. So I realized pretty quickly that I like cities, but I like cities in very small doses. So yeah. we did, we were in Rome for three days. I was pretty much over it by day, like, Day one and a half. So, so all right. So, of all the places you visited, which one was your favorite? Amalfi was probably near the top. We also visited a town called Cinque Terre, which was near the top of Italy, another, like, cool little quaint beach town. Mm -hmm. You know, I tend to just kind of gravitate towards those places. Towards the beach town? The Santa Cruz kid? <laughs> That's crazy. No way. So, yeah, that I mean, those were the best, just kind of relaxing, because we did so We were averaging... Um, about 10 miles a day in terms right. of walking. So like just a little bit of relaxation, you know, was nice. Yeah. And that trip from Rome up to Cinque Terre was like an eight hour train ride. Um, so everything just took a while, yeah. whether we're walking or busing sure. or training or boating, because we had to take like an hour long ferry too to get back to Nepali. So a lot of that, not complaining, just a lot of go. So go, go. we got your favorite place. What was your favorite like site to see? Was I, it? The Pro stuff in Rome? Probably seeing the Colosseum. Um, we were we didn't even go inside. It was a little bit, it was a little overwhelming. Very touristy, so you mm -hmm. just get so many people and then sure. people trying to sell you stuff and all that. So it was cool to see. That was definitely a highlight for me. Um, just some of the churches, too. I mean, just these, some of these Catholic churches that are, like, huge. You know, hundreds and hundreds of years old. And, like, the you know, how, like, intricate some of these things are. And the stained glass is just, like, overwhelming, uh -huh. right? Even if you're not, like an overly religious person, you go into them and you're like, wow, this place yeah. is unbelievable. So a lot of the churches were really cool. Um, but definitely, like, I think beaches. If I was going to go back, it would be some of the beach places sure. that we went. So. I got and I got one more for you. So I, I recently watched uh, the movie Chef on Netflix. It's mm -hmm. a John Favreau movie. So, okay. like, I'm real big on, like, <laughs> cooking right now. Uh, what was, like, the best thing that you ate while you were there? Is, is there anything that, that stuck out to you as, like, that just blew you away? Yeah, I mean, I think if I had to choose, Italy was probably my favorite place to visit. Just the food there, you know, was incredible. Um, 
we were walking so much, you didn't feel totally guilty about having a mm-hmm. bunch of bread and stuff. But how many miles? I don't think you mentioned it. <laughs> ten. So about ten miles a day. One day we walked to. So when we were in Rome, we went Uphill to both the Vatican. <laughs> we went to the Vatican, and we saw the Sixteenth Chapel, which was that was pretty incredible. But um, we walked thirty thousand steps. So that was wow. pretty, that's a pretty good day, and it was Look about it was about ninety degrees. So you know, we did it. We did it. Yeah, we walked walked ten miles, five miles uphill. Five miles uphill back, uh, but yeah, it was pretty incredible. So we ended up in uh, in Paris, finished up in Paris our final couple of days, um, saw the Eiffel Tower, and you know, then then made my way back home. But it makes you, you're, I was excited, kind of excited to get back to the office and be yeah. ready for another. Yeah, when you're gone, you know, when you're gone for on a vacation that long, at some point, yeah, even as you begin to wind down, even if you're going to, a, you know, from Spain to Italy yeah. to 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 France, like you get to the point where you're like, all right, yeah. It's time to go back and, and get back into the, the normal routine and, and the regular schedule and kind of catch back up on things. But I've never been to Europe, yeah. so I'm kind of living vicariously I re- I through you. It sounds it. like a great trip. <laughs> yeah, so my mom did a great job with planning. My brother did a great job with navigating. He was the only one who had his phone basically on, so it kind of was up to him to mm-hmm. lead the way. Um, Thank goodness for cell phones. So what did you what what did you bring to the table? You didn't plan I, anything. We did you talk didn't navigate. <laughs> what did you do on this trip so besides <laughs> eat and walk ten miles a day? Uh, I brought the good energy. That was that was kind of what God, I, right. you know, I say. Guys, You're the morale I, guy. Yes, I'm the morale every, guy. Every trip needs one. When everybody was low, you know, I continued to to bring the positive energy. So I felt like that's what I added. But you know, um, yeah, I wasn't a big. If they if they if I wasn't there, you know, they would have been all right. So, yeah. yeah, I relied on them big time. But you know what it made me want to do? We have so many northern European guys on the team. Got a lot of Swedish guys, a Denmark trip. guys. Like just working their way up. A lot of them I was telling them before I left um, that I was going to go to Europe. And then they were saying, oh, you're going to come up towards their area. But that would we be We should, uh, I don't know, maybe next summer we should uh, do a little our coup de ketchup series. It's just let's just take Europe <laughs> and see. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll go visit some guys. I'd would, be down for that. I wouldn't mind that. I would not mind that. So that's definitely something I would like to do. Visited, visited the southern portion of Europe, try to hit the no, more northern part. Do it in the summer, though, when it's still. Oh, yeah, you don't want to be in warm. Finland or Sweden when it's snowing. <laughs> no. no. But, uh, yeah, great trip. Happy to be back and uh, now kind of looking forward to the season, you know, yeah. seeing, seeing what's on tap. So it should be. I assume, I assume we'll have a, a broadcast blog on uh, Friday. Yeah, I think Make broadcast blog. We'll, we'll we kind of have to because uh, as – the people who read your blogs last year will be well aware, but uh, tonight's a big night tonight, for tonight the, night. the office staff here at SAP Center. It is, uh, it is day one of softball season at Twin Creeks, yes. so uh, a lot on the line. We get to, I'm at the helm this year, which I'm thrilled about. It's great, uh, piecing together the lineup. So uh, I got people texting me, calling me Skipper, which I'm not totally on board with, but I like that. Um, we're kind of we're kicking it off tonight, and we're we're looking to bring home a championship. So I think uh, you need to be like D- Dusty Baker, and you need to get uh, some toothpicks. Remember Dusty Baker's oh, big toothpick big guy. Toothpick. Big okay, toothpick guy. Skipper, I could be a big toothpick guy. So before we wrap up, um, you did put the lineup together, and Seth Dewitt, who works here with the Sharks, he's your roommate. Yeah, yeah. You put him at the bottom. Of the I lineup. did. He I buried him. Happy. Yeah, you know. You gotta listen, earn your stripes. Listen, well, it's not even earn your stripes because we're playing with the same guys we played with for a while. Uh, I mean, we did have a little spring training session on Monday. We went to the batting cages. Only four people showed up. Uh, That's not good. You know, so 
we'll have to see who, who turns out today. Uh, all the teams make the playoffs, so as far as I'm concerned, the whole season is just one long tryout. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna it's a it's like the promo schedule it's a puzzle you gotta mix and match you see who see who fits well and and what lineup is the most cohesive and and the one that gets you the most runs so uh, we're gonna mess around with it a little bit I'm trying to play to people's strengths Seth he may be last lineup he's also the fastest guy in our roster so you add a little speed at the end there so um, lot, lots of things to consider but we'll. We'll get you all up to date, Nickel. Yeah. Be sure to give you the blog yep, update. The blog. So. That's the best part about the blog. Updating. Uh, so, I mean, pressure's on. You know, if you don't play well, you're going to be called out on yeah. the block. Oh, yeah. It's, you know. Yeah, well, this this started last year. Yes, it It did. became like <laughs> everybody was reading it to see what the recap was and, and who gets mentioned and who gets called out. And uh, it's just kind of the way it I is. got to bring the notepad, though, because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes down you in the do. game. The, so. one, the one time you, were, you weren't there, I had to write the recap. I had... Uh, like a really long document on my phone that had literally inning by inning what happened. And uh, I call a lot of people out. But you know what? If, uh, if you just play your game, you don't have to worry about that stuff. And, you know, we've gotten close to a championship, but we have not won a championship. I don't want to talk about it. So, you know, people not showing up to the bank cage, I'm included, but I've been playing a little softball. I've been filling in. You have. So, There's some people have been, have yeah. been playing some softball. So uh, I know you were in a league. I know uh, Mike Murphy, our yeah. equipment manager, who's who's joining us this year. He's not uh, playing tonight, I would imagine, though. He's not playing tonight. He's still uh, – I actually got a picture from him earlier. He's with Nick Simone in Buffalo right now. Uh, but Mike's on our team. He was playing in a softball league before he went on his vacation. Hasn't been playing since, so he might have gotten a little rusty. I don't know. Again, the whole season's a tryout. We're going to have to see what happens. Yeah. One last note before we do let you guys go, but we'll update you. I'll update you on the softball, give a little more detail on the trip, what's going on in the hockey world. Do that on Friday for the vlog. Um, we do want to give a shout-out to our assistant equipment manager, Austin Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. Um, big dirt bike guy. Unfortunately, he had a, a really bad accident on his dirt bike. He's doing okay. He's on the men, but um, had a lot of major, major injuries, broke a lot of bones. A couple a surgeries, surgeries on bed rest a for stitches. a bit. So, so we wish him a quick and speedy recovery. We're all thinking about you, buddy, and uh, you know, we're we're happy that you're okay. You're not great, but we're happy that you're you know. You're if okay I could you're send Mickey Mouse from Disney to yeah. come and visit you, Massive I would. Like I totally would have like a, a barbershop quartet come and sing you Disney songs. I would, but uh, I don't know where to find those things, so I can't. His rookie tournament this year is in Anaheim. I think he's probably more upset that he's missing that trip than anything because yeah. he was planning on hitting up Disney, I think, every single day that we were yep. there. So he had, I'm pretty sure he had plans to go with Joseph Coronash if he was attending rookie camp to go with him. They had made plans during the season last year at one point to go to Disney. It was wild listening <laughs> to that conversation. I think they may have went, too, when we were down in Ontario at one point. But huge Disney guy. But uh, wish you a speedy recovery, buddy. We're thinking about you. And um, – Hopefully, uh, you'll be good to go as the season approaches. But um, tough to see that happen, but we do wish you the best. That's it for me for this week. We'll have more updates. A couple weeks, we'll, we'll get back on uh, the headset. We'll talk about what's going on. Hopefully, we'll have a little more information on the um, promotional schedule. And I would bet by the app. next time we talk, we will, we will be talking promotions. So cool. um, that's uh, – I don't want to put my a guarantee on that, but if – if I were a betting man, it would be a strong favorite. So Cool. We've got some fun stuff definitely on tap for, for the upcoming season. So for now, we'll say everybody have a great couple of weeks. Look forward to talking to you uh, in a couple of weeks. And um, 
enjoy your summer. Hopefully you enjoy some of this weather. we got some hot weather coming in the next couple of days um, here in the Bears. So for now, we'll say see you. See you.